The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Justin Kelly here. You're listening to the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series focused on business tips and tricks, inspirational leaders, strategies to scale, and tactics on turning your business into the ever-elusive next unicorn. My guest today is Jacob Galea. Jacob is a businessman, a business coach, mentor, motivator, public speaker, and author. Jacob works with business leaders all over Australia and all over the world. And I'm very pleased to say that he joins me in the studio today. Jacob Galea, welcome to the Unicorns. Thanks, JK. Thanks for having me. I want to go back to your late school years. You're in year 11 at high school and you have a decision to make about whether to do year 12 or take a different path and leave school early. Let's let's go through what happened next. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, having a European father, you know, if you, you you were to get a trade, get it, you'll have a job for life. So, I had an opportunity that I was waiting for about a year uh, in a really prestige printing company called Hannon Prints in Sydney. The Hannon family are an amazing family, and halfway through, three quarters of the way through Year Eleven, they called me up and said that you were chosen out of five hundred. Uh, apprentices to come in and, and we're choosing five and we'd like you to start so um, I had a decision to make and I, I took the apprenticeship and off I went into the big bad world of corporate work. And how are your parents with, with that decision because I, I can't imagine uh, today the same thing is happening a lot. No look they were great they were supportive uh, as I said, you know, would I let my son today leave year 11 to get a job? Hell no. But, um, you know, they were supportive and they let me. So off I went and, and support what we needed. So take us through what happened then. You're, you're now in your apprenticeship. Your friends are still at school. That, mu- that obviously must have been hard, but also exciting for you. And, and what, happened, what happened next? It was a massive learning curve. It was um, a very professional business. It was a big business. And all of a sudden, I was this uh, young child, like in in, in kindergarten again, back in school, uh, trying to navigate my way around this work world. Um, There was a lot of challenges. Uh, There was really no rule book or no playbook to read. It was Jacob, go for it. Day one, I remember uh, emptying bins uh, on an on a electric fork and thinking, what have I done? <laughs> and, and what lessons did you learn, the, the, the school of hard knocks, if it were, uh, through, through those early experiences to where you are today? Look, you know, JK, those lessons shaped me. Um, I learned resilience. Uh, I learned that we have two ears and one mouth because uh, in a business like that, you had to listen twice as much as you spoke, especially being a young gun and apprentice. Uh, I learnt about how to follow leadership uh, and I learnt about ambition too because if you're ambitious, I saw a lot of people go off a printing floor into general management positions and make a lot of money and have really good roles. So uh, I learnt the really good fundamentals to business very early in life. So you're a successful 
apprentice. Mm -hmm. You're coming to the end of your apprenticeship. What happens next? So I had some amazing people around me, and uh, at the time I was I was uh, competing for the Australian karate team, so I was very disciplined, I was very focused, and these leaders kept saying to me, Jacob, you know, there's something about you and there's something extra about you and you should pursue something beyond just working in the factory for the rest of your life. So uh, they said that there's the corporate body in the printing or media industry, Gamma, had a scholarship program going, uh, and they said, you should apply for it. So I put my hat in the ring and I won a three-year business scholarship and went off a factory floor and started my journey into sales. And where was where was that? That was at uh, Hannon Print. Okay, and I want to know more about your background in martial arts. Was that when did you start that? So I started martial arts at the age of fourteen, and I studied a style called Goju Ru Karate, which is a very old school, uh, a rough and and tough style. We learned the old way how to protect ourselves. Uh, it's an Okinawan style. It's a beautiful form of karate. And uh, I shape and, and have gratitude for everything that I am today was from my martial arts training. And why is that? You know, JK, I, I think um, what people don't realize, number one about a great sport or number one about a great discipline is the, the power of the mind. And what, what Goju-Ru Karate did for me is really opened up the subconscious mind for me and learn how the body responded to the mind and how the mind drove the body and what I could really achieve beyond what normal people were achieving. So I got introduced to the subconscious mind really early into my life. Let's take a step back. What is the subconscious mind? So we have, we have the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is the mind in the background that you might be sitting at a bus stop, JK, and a bus goes by with a billboard on it. You don't look at that billboard in focus, but on the side, your, your, subcon your eyes goes in and your subconscious mind gets it and it remembers something. It, it's, it's the faculty in the, in the backside of your mind that's taking all the data and putting files. So, you know, when we're doing deep meditation in martial arts, we learnt how to do a meditation that could wake up that part of, of your mind. Do you think a lot of business leaders in Australia are awake? Oh, look, I think, um, you know, that's a really good question. I think that there's an awakening in new consciousness now. Absolutely. Uh, I think if you go back 20 years, 30 years, I think absolutely not. It was all about profit, profit, profit. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the business world is, I'm seeing it. You know, if you look at a corporate leader today, JK, they're into meditation or yoga or going to Byron Bay and health retreats. Uh, they're really looking after themselves. They've, they're encouraging their staff to have balance and work from home. So I think there's absolutely new consciousness in place, yes. How do you become aware that you might need some sort of life coach or business mentor? If you're a small business owner, you're probably busy trying to just keep the shop running, maintain staff. I can't imagine it's something that they would think of naturally as the, the next step for them to, to do. You know, JK, think about sport. Any great athlete that goes to the Olympics, every single one has a coach. My theory is any great business and any great business leader or any business owner should have a coach. That coach, all they do for the athlete is push and drive them and hold them accountable for the next level. My theory is why don't we do that in business? And why don't business people who are, are trying to get got the gold medal in life of their mm. business or their industry, why don't they have a coach? And, you know, it's starting. Australia is really starting to pick up mentoring and business coaching, and it's fantastic to see. Now, you travel all around the world now as a successful business coach. 
um, would you where would you say Australia rates in in terms of accepting some of the things that you talk about in your book, um, being open to ideas? I imagine, say, in North America, the United States in particular, that that, that they would be at the forefront of this thinking. We're way behind. I mean, no, no doubt about it. We are way behind. Um, you know, why is that? Look, you know, we have a thing in Australia called tall poppy syndrome, and it's a real thing. And people in, in Australia act differently, especially when I do a lot of work in America, um, to seeing successful people. So um, I think I think Australia uh, are starting to adapt to coaching and mentoring. But it, we are compared to, I mean, you know, I've done work in Germany, I've done work in Asia, I've done work in America. You know, coaching in America is very, very common for a corporate person. Uh, we're still way behind. I mean, there's some CEO groups I've been involved with and there's some, there's some um, leadership groups, but one-on-one mentoring for business owners, we're still way behind the eight ball. And why do you think that is, particularly if you look at the Australian context? Is it, be, is it because that... Is it, is it a humility thing? We don't like to be seen as showing off. Is it that, you know, we're just laid back? Well, try to try to get into the detail on it, Paul. Yeah, I think let's look at the country, Australia. You know, it, it's most of the Australians live on the coast. Uh, it's a lifestyle uh, um, country. It's a, a lot of Australians who live, you know, on the coast, go surfing or go to the beach or go to the park. So it, it is that it's a it's a it's a country of lifestyle. It's the great place to live and bring up children. Uh, it's very different to growing up in a New York City where you know you are taught to hustle and hustle and hustle nonstop. Um, yeah, it, it's we become a product of our environment, and Australia is a beautiful relaxation environment. Let's go back to when you're talking about your martial arts. What are some of the skills that you have learnt in the dojo that translate into the boardroom? Yeah, look, um, first and foremost, a never give up attitude. You know, you're, I remember getting my, my, my green belt and I was sparring against black belts and I used to cop it. And I mean, JK, they used to hit me in the ribs. I used to go home with broken ribs and, and knees and arms and fingers. And your sensei would go, can you get up? And I'd say, yes. And he'd go, keep going. Uh, and that's helped my business so much here globally because, I mean, I've fallen over plenty of times in business. I still continue to fall over. It's natural. But one thing I take is that warrior's ethos of never giving up and, you know, having courage and having discipline. Um, and also the, the dojo holds each person in the, do- the, in the dojo is a mentor to a younger grade. And mentoring okay. in a dojo is very common. So now that I run mentoring groups around the world and give back, that's what I want to do is I want to I want to take techniques I've learned from the battlefield to the boardroom and teach people that there are so many skills in the art of war. It's not funny that can be taught, applied and managed in a boardroom or a business. And guess what? It's hard work, isn't it? It's, it's, it's hard work. You know, JK, it really is. Even, you know, I thought in my career, when you get to a certain level, it gets easier and easier and easier. You know, you can't lie to people. It doesn't. The higher you get or the bigger you get or the more successful you get, the bigger problems you get and the bigger hurdles that you get. So resilience and courage is you need it more more when you're up the top than when it's down the bottom. Uh, it's a tough gig, and that's why you know working for yourself is not for everybody. Um, but even in the corporate world, JK, some people think you know that uh, it's one thing to have a great job; it's another thing to keep a good job. You know, there's a you know there's a lot of people biting at, at people's ankles to have their job and their position today. Uh, it's a battlefield out there where only the warriors survive. 
Can you give us an example of, of some of the people you work with? Who, who is it that you're talking to on a daily basis and helping become better people? Yeah, so a lot of business owners, managing directors, C-suites, um, uh, general managers of companies, uh, middle management, senior management, and then look straight down to, I even got a company at the moment where I'm coaching uh, the receptionist who's got a really uh, cutthroat team around her, uh, their go-getters, and I'm coaching her how to handle their pressure because I'm teaching her that diamonds are made under pressure. So usually she'd break under that pressure and I'm coaching her how to handle that pressure. So uh, I'm privileged in my business, JK, to deal with people from you know the factory floor up into management, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs as well, a lot of startup guys who might have a great idea and some funding but don't have the the, the, the wisdom or the knowledge or the know-how on how to get through certain levels. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be working with all kinds. So I understand it's obviously different in every, in every scenario, whether it's a managing director, as you say, or receptionist or someone on the factory floor. Could you perhaps give us a few examples of exactly what it is you teach them or run through with them during a particular session? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, especially when I do, um, I call them hour of powers in boardrooms with teams. First and foremost, I teach them is actually how to unlock more potential and possibility in their life. So I start that through the mindset. I use emotional intelligence. Um, and what I teach them also is how to change their operating rhythm. So what happens is most people will come into a workplace or a business and their operating rhythm might be at 60 or 70%. If I can get their operating rhythm up to 80, 90%, so if I can get them to do more and be more, then they're gonna get more. So I look at all their conditioning, I look at their belief system, I look at what is holding them back. And then we put all that on the table and we create a new vision for them, a new roadmap for them. And then I help them work on challenges. I help them reshape and re-engineer outcomes events. Uh, I help them to get ready for pitches of, of big deals that they would usually pitch in a way that a company's always done it. But now I say to them, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So let's re-engineer this pitch. Let's create a new pitch avatar. Let's create a better way to do this. And my job is to keep them on their feet and on the edge of technology and the forefront of mindset to be able to break through all barriers. How important is it, in your opinion, to plan ahead? And and I wanna, I wanna get into this a little bit, like planning, for example, what a day might look like. So making lists, I know I, I certainly do. It's something that I, I find works for me. It might not work for everyone, but, but planning a day, but also having a business plan um, that's, that's either 12 months or five years. JK, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. It's that simple. A plan, whether you're planning a day, whether you're planning a week, a month, or a year, you have to plan. I mean, I've got CEOs that I work with around the world that plan in six-minute intervals. Now, I know that's extreme for some people, but it's true. Six-minute intervals <laughs> they plan, and, and they go, right, I've got this many six-minute intervals per, per day, and that's how they run their phone calls. That's how they run their diary. Um, but you know, you've got to find your own rhythm. You've got to find your own beat to the drum, but planning is vital. Like honestly, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. I don't make a move, I won't advise a company unless I know what their plan is and know what they want to get to. A plan to me, JK, is like an address in a GPS. You can have a business, but if you, the address is the plan. If you've got no address to put into that GPS, it's not taking you anywhere. So the, you've got to have that address to punch into the GPS to say, navigate me there. The plan is exactly the same. Now, do plans change in business? Absolutely. You know, do environments change? Absolutely. But 
on an overall scale, do you know where you're going? Do you know what the outcome is that you're trying to achieve? Yes. And then you've got to be adaptable in that plan as well. So to me, without a plan, you ain't moving forward. Do you think a lot of people put it off because it's it's either too hard or, well, we've always done it this way and it, it seems to be working okay? I think a lot of people are lazy. Hmm. I think a lot of people have been conditioned to be lazy and say, oh, let's just take day by day and see what happens. I don't think they've been mentored properly. I don't think they've gone. You know, let's think about it. You go to you go to school. Where you know where do they teach you about planning? They really don't. Um, you know, you no. go to, you go to TAFE or university. They don't really teach you about how to roadmap or how to get to the next level. So it's not in our conditioning. It's not in our DNA to have a roadmap to success. So then we get into the big bad world and the corporate world or you know whatever you do for a living and guess what? You go in there and you're peddling feet under the water like a duck, but you're not really sitting there and stopping and go, before I jump in the water, what's my plan? How am I gonna pedal? I just think, again, going back to our environment, I think that especially in Australia, we're not we're not planners. We're not built that way. Um, you know, you go to you go to somewhere like New York or go to somewhere like you know LA or, or somewhere which is a thriving city. You know, those businesses are built on plans. Um, and I say, look, J.K., it's like if you're going to build a house, you would not build a house with an, without an architect doing that plan for the builder. <laughs> right. So how can you run your business and life without, without an architectural plan? Because that's what you're doing. You're literally going to a builder and you're saying, build me whatever. And then when it gets built the way that you don't like it, you go, but I don't, I don't like the way that's built. And the builder comes back and says, well, you didn't give me a plan. Mm. So for me, the essence of success is in planning. Let's talk about the book that you wrote, The Birth of the Super You. I'm, I'm keen to get into the details on that. What, what inspired you to actually put pen to paper? You know, I've been on a quest for 25 years to really find out what makes someone really successful versus someone that's really average. Why are they super and live a super life and someone else is struggling to pay bills? So in my global travels around the world, I, I was blessed enough to be with some amazing people. And when I was with these people, by nature, I always ask them a couple of questions and, and I always ask them, what does it take to be successful? And over 15 years of corporate travel and being in the sales world, everywhere I went asking all these people, I got the ingredients. So I decided when I was doing some corporate travel international and on Europe and I was on a plane a lot that I should take all these ingredients and put them in a book. So the second half of my book, Birth of the Super You, talks about a lot of the secrets that these people talk about on what it takes to be a super version of them. And is that all about the concept of building the warrior mindset? Yeah, the, the warrior DNA is the basis of it, absolutely. But some thim some simple things, there's a chapter in the book called Entourage. And Entourage is all about who you spend time with is who you become. And, and this short chapter talks about be very, very careful who you spend time with because if you're spending time with negative people, if mm. you're spending time with people who don't believe in what you're doing, then that's going to run through you like a negative vibe. Whereas you need to spend time with people that believe you, that believe in your dreams, that support you, that that want to lift you up because we rise by lifting others so that chapter entourage is all about be very very fussy who you spend time with because people are either going to pick you up or put you down i've been fortunate enough to see you present on a couple of occasions to packed rooms and i know a part of your uh, presentation is a section around kinesiology yes now for a lot of people, they might they might have heard of the word, but they might not understand 
what it is and in particular how it relates to any business principles. Tell me about how you use kinesiology in your coaching. So the body reacts to the mind and the mind is a very, very powerful tool. So when I'm on stage and I'm, I'm demonstrating the power of the mind, what I do is I get someone up and I, I tell them to put a positive thought in their mind, I put them to get them to put their, their arm out, and when the positive thought is in their mind, I get them to run it through their body, and then I push down on their hand, I get them to resist and push up, and it's really solid. And then what I do is I get the person to put a negative thought in their mind, and when they run that negative thought from their, bo- their mind straight down to their body, and I push down, they resist, with one finger, I can push their arm down. And what I demonstrate to the audience is how important it is to set your mind up in a positive environment because kinesiology is all about the body reacting to the mind. So if you're putting negative thoughts into your mind, your body is going to react to that. And hence, the beautiful thing about doing martial arts is what we learn and we watch people who were sick heal themselves without medication through the mind on a program because the mind was the healer and the mind was the teacher that the body was responding to. So there's a there's a, a very important dimension here, which is emotional intelligence mixed with the subconscious mind and putting them in a blender and, and, and the outcome is perfection of oneself. How often is it that when you're talking to successful business leaders that you've used these principles and had a positive impact? 100% of the time. Uh, whenever I go in to get called to do a talk, uh, whether I go into get called to do some coaching, uh, that kinesiology test I do straight away in front of everybody. Uh, I start with uh, understanding the mindset of the company. See, not only a person has a mindset, but a company has a mindset too. We're used to saying companies have cultures. Yes, they do. But companies also have mindsets. So I go in and say, what is the mindset of our organization? And I break that down because there's a Chinese business proverb that says the fish rots from the head. Mm. And an organization is exactly the same. So if you've got leaders at the top of a business who are stressed and negative and running around like you know chickens with their, their heads about to be cut off, that, that, that type of leader is sending that message through the veins of that company. Mm. So the mindset of that business is stress, blah, blah, blah. So what we do is I teach something called inspired leadership. And I go into business and teach from the top down that inspiration must come from the top. Because it, you know, if the fish rots from the head, then we've got to make sure that the head of that company is so solid, so motivational, so inspirational, so activational. Activational meaning the people at the top have to activate the people underneath them to want to be there. To want to, you look, you look at a problem we got today in Australia in boardrooms. Two problems. Number one is the acquisition of talent. It's really hard to find good talent. Mm. Number two is the retention of talent. It's really hard to keep good people, hang right? On, hang on. And to hang them. on to them. So we can't find them, we can't keep them. So how important now is the mindset and the culture of a business? Whether you're a small business or whether you're a large business, it doesn't matter. You've got to get this stuff right if you want to survive in what's coming up in 2020 and beyond. What are some of the traits that you like to look for when working with business leaders? Attitude trumps skill every day. 
You know, um, I don't really care how educated someone is. You know, I've worked with guys that have got multiple, multiple, multiple degrees and people with no degrees who finished, you know, year 10 who are running multiple, multiple billion dollar entrepreneur businesses. all the time. All the time. Because yeah. why? It's because they've got hunger, they've got ambition, they've got attitude. Attitude trumps skill every day. The first thing I look at is I measure the attitude of a business starting from the top down. Because if the attitude's right... You can learn the skill, yeah? Mm. You can mm. learn the ways and the techniques, but if the attitude's wrong, it's going to fail every single time. And we see it in professional sport. Let's look at, you know, you know, JK, I'm really, I'm really amazed at professional golf, that you've got professional golfers that can still hit the ball in the drink. Why? Because in their mindset that if you're a professional golfer, you think, how can a professional golfer hit the ball in the water? They're, they're a pro, they're a professional. Mm. Because as soon as they're having an off day, as soon as their mind's not where it needs to be, that ball ain't going where it needs to go. So business is exactly the same. So the attitude and the mindset of organization and individual is paramount if you want to survive what's coming up. What about, obviously, if you're a leader in business, presumably you're reasonably smart, you've got some sort of high IQ most of the time. What about EQ? I want to know about emotional intelligence and how important that is in an organization. It's everything. I mean, Michael Jordan talks about it's called the zone, yeah? When mm. you're in the zone. I call it the gut feel. Um, it's everything because... You can intellectually think about something and think it's the right thing and then it can feel wrong. So a lot of things in business, you've got to feel your way through it. And you're in my, like my kinesiology test that I do on stage that you've seen, JK, the body can't lie. So, you know, when you meet someone for the first time, you go, I just don't feel it. This yeah. is something, well, it's trying to tell you something. You know, I teach corporates when they're going into a business pitch, when they're going into a, a business deal... One of the first things I teach them is how does it feel when you're riding out the pitch? How does it feel when you're going into the boardroom? How does it feel when you're sitting next to the people you're pitching against? Because that that feel is a language that's trying to talk to you mm. about what's going on. So for me, um, 100% of my business and business decisions are made through emotional intelligence. Yes, there's some intellect in there around statistical intellect, but then there's a whole lot of emotional stuff that if I don't feel the deal, if I don't feel the situation, I'll walk away 100% of the time. Have you ever done that? Can I tell you, JK, I, I would do that at least five times a month. I say no. I mean, there's only so many and, hours and, and in day. How does that manifest itself? You get approached by someone, can you coach me, can you help me, and for whatever reason, it's not the right fit. Oh, it's really strange, even when I tell these people this, JK, I'd go to a meeting and, I'd, and, and someone would say, look, I've heard about you, Jacob, I've heard about your results, I've read your book, can we have a meeting? I'd, I'd like to talk about you coaching my organizations. Sure, no problem. So we'll sit down, we'll have a coffee. And 20, 30 minutes into this meeting, I just don't feel the vibe. And I just mm. feel there's something here. And 100% of the time, because I have to stay authentic to brand mm. and stay on brand, I will say to this person, look, I just don't think we're a right fit. And that's natural in business, right? There's a lot of brands that don't fit by association. Mm. If I don't feel it, and I mean, I'm, I'm not talking feel it 90% or 95%. If I don't feel it 100%, 
I'm not moving forward because I've done it, JK, and I've been burnt every time. I've taken a client on and six months in a 12-month contract, I knew that I shouldn't have taken that client on because we weren't a right cultural fit. And six months in, I can tell you, even as of the last three months, that deal's gone sour and everything's gone sour because, and I knew, I, I knew authentically I should have never taken that on. Okay, so the feelings never lie, the emotion never lie, and that's why meditation is so important because they say if you don't go within, you go without. So the more meditation work I do, the more. And, and meditation doesn't mean sit on a rock and kumbaya. That's you know a lot of people think oh, I don't want to do that. It could be going walk for a walk by the ocean. It could be going to the gym. You know, it could be going for a ride on your bike. Whatever means time out for you or zen for you is meditation, and that's what I'm talking about. Um, no, honestly, J.K., let me tell you. Uh, the more and more the world gets technology and gets faster and 5G, the more and more we as humans need to learn how to trust our gut. Can you take us through some of the people you have helped? I know you can't mention all of your clients and it's because of obviously privacy reasons, but you've clearly worked with hundreds of leaders over the years. Let, let's, let's, name a, let's name a couple that you're, you're happy to talk about. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll give you an example. I've worked with an amazing leader uh, out of Sydney, uh, Martin Downing from HW Ebsworth Lawyers, uh, an amazing, amazing client and friend of mine now. Um, he, he got to a point in his career where uh, an amazing lawyer, uh, he came to me and said, he saw me speak at an event, uh, a serve corp event in Sydney, and he, he came to see me the next day and said, I need to work with you. And I said, what's wrong? I've, I've Googled you, I've had a look at you, you've got a great law career, everything's going really well. He said, Jacob, he said, my grandfather was a lawyer, my father was a lawyer, now I'm a lawyer, I'm doing it, I'm, I'm you know, getting to an age now where I've got everything, I've got the law firm, I've got the house, I've got the family, I've got the cars, I've got the toys, but I'm just not happy, and I just don't know, is this my purpose? So we entered into sessions, a 12-month agreement, and we do our, our sessions, and my job is to navigate him from corporate world, he, he, he's probably a lawyer because that's his conditioning, yeah? Yes and to move him into purpose. Now, he's still a lawyer today and a great lawyer, but now he's doing other things in his life that are more purposeful, that are filling gaps, rather than just doing law 24-7. So we do a lot of purpose work. Um, Who am I? Why am I here? Uh, Or even on the corporate level on, I'm here, Jacob, and I want to get to the next level. You know, every new level demands a new level of you. Mm -hmm. So if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. How can you expect something different doing the same thing? So a lot of these guys call me in to say, what's that next thing I need to do? How do I break through? How do I, what's my breakthrough moment, Jacob? What do I do? And we go in sessions and I have a look what's blocking them, what their belief systems are, you know, what's holding them back. And we, we chisel away and they all get breakthrough moments. What advice would you give um, the people who are listening to this who want to achieve great things in life or in business, but uh, as you say, are are held back by a fear or or their self-beliefs are are limited? You know, JK, for me, the the first bit of advice is believe in yourself. It's really important. Um, When no one else believed in me when I was getting off a printing press and thought I was crazy um, and, and, and thought, you know, I was getting really good money, but I'm going into a role which pays nothing and high commission, uh, I really had to believe in myself. For that, that's first and foremost. As I've gotten through my career and ran my own business and, and, and been able to help the people I've helped to date, I really have to say, uh, you, you know, you can't do this alone. 
you know, get a great coach or get a great mentor, get a great friend, um, someone that can hold you accountable and accountability buddy to what you want to achieve because, you know, it, it's like a personal trainer at the gym. It's not in the 10 rep, reps that you can lift by yourself where you grow. Mm. It's in the extra five where someone spots you where the growth comes in. Life is exactly the same and we have to breed a culture in Australia to say it is okay to have an accountability buddy. It is okay to have a coach. It is okay to have a mentor. It is okay to have peer-to-peer -peer support. It's not gonna make me look bad. It's actually gonna make me look better. And we have to encourage that we, we rise by lifting others. We have to create a circle and a network that I'm inspired to help Australia build that is is a community of of touch you know put out your hand and I will help you and I will take you there otherwise you know if you always do what you've always done you're always going to get what you've always got who are your role models who who inspires you yeah you know um, I get asked a lot this question in the media JK and I, I always answer like this that surprises people you know, I'm not going to say here that these multi-millionaires who I talk to or NFL players that I've worked with or celebrities I was with in New York are my role models. They're just great on my journey that I get to meet them. You know, for me, JK, my favorite word in the world is alchemy. And I love alchemy because alchemy is about turning lead and turning it into gold, taking nothing and turning it into something else. My role models are people who are have in a situation or were in a situation that were nowhere and turn their life around to become something, no matter what that looks like. Mm. Any any success story like that are my role models. And, and I'm not talking about big CEOs now, I'm talking about even someone that came here from another country and came here in a suitcase and a dream and started off as a painter and now runs a massive painting business, they become a role model to me. Mm. It, it, because that's that's real authenticity. That's real ambition. That's not, you know, not someone that's been given $10 million from a trust fund and says, here, go and do something. I mean, for them, good, that's great. Good luck to them. I don't, I don't bag those people either. But what I'm saying is people that have taken nothing and turned into something really, really inspire me. Jacob, you're an inspiration to many. I know you're in demand across the world for your expertise in helping people become better at business and in life. It's been great to have you on the Unicorns podcast. Uh, for those out there who are interested, you should look up Jacob Galea. He's not only a great business coach, he's also a friend. His website is jacobgalea.com. Do yourself a favor, look him up. And it's been great to have you on the show for the very first Unicorns podcast. Jacob Galea, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.